April 28, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin, if you count from the top of the page, 12 lines down, right in the middle of the line. Very briefly, the context of the Gemara. The Mishnah had talked about a Ba'al of V'yide'oni, two circumstances of sorcery, of Mechashefa, which the Torah forbade, very strictly and severely, the person who performs them, says the Mishnah from the Torah, is Hayav Sekila, the person who turns to them for advice, for uh, the horoscope vision of the future, is Hayav Malkot, is a mitzvah lo The Gemara debated the following, sounds like technical detail and aspect, it's that the Mishnah at the beginning of Masechet Keritot, when it's mentioning the many circumstances where a person's Hayav Karet, which we talked about beforehand what that means, it mentions only Ba'al Ov. It doesn't mention both of them, the Ov and the Yedeoni, it only mentions the Ba'al Ov, which by the way we should define. The Ba'al Ov is a circumstance as we defined and the Gemara defines for us where from the armpits of the person, that sorcerer, there's some sort of um, spirit which is speaking and determining or deciding and explaining the future and all that sort of matter. That's the Ba'alov. The Yidde'oni is a circumstance where a person, that sorcerer, takes a bone, places it in their mouth, in some way or fashion, the bone begins speaking those circumstances, those horoscopes and future determinations. Well, that being the two cases, the question is, why does our Mishnah mention both of them, very much mirroring the Torah, which mentions both the Ba'al Ov and Yideoni, whereas the Mishnah in Masechet Kiritot only mentions one of them, the first, the Ov. The Gemara gave two answers, one of Rabbi Ohanan, the other of Resh Lakish. We're going to pick up after Resh Lakish's answer, which is really the relevant one for us today, how the Gemara challenges Rabbi Ohanan. Because Resh Lakish suggested that although, of course, they're both forbidden, although, of course, the Torah says you get put to death for each of them, both the Ba'alov and the Yedeoni, the Mishnah Masechet Kiritot, for a technical reason, doesn't mention uh, Yedeoni. Why not? Because the difference between Ba'alov and Yedeoni, and it's good Jared's not here yet to yell at me on this one, is because the Ba'alov has more of a Ma'aseh, whereas the Yedeoni does not. More of an action, whereas a Yedeoni does not. How so? Well, the Ba'alov is, uh, as the Gemara says, is Mekish Bizro'otav. He's moving his arms to bring forth, or in the moments where he's bringing forth that spirit's uh, speech. Uh, whereas the, uh, the uh, second one, the Yedeoni, is not so. He places the bone in his mouth. You might call that a Ma'aseh, but that's only the preliminary, introductory stages to bringing forth the sorcery. As a result, the halakha when it comes to koban hatat, when it comes to bringing a sacrifice in a circumstance of karet is the Torah seems clear, it's a mahloket as we'll discuss in a moment, there needs to be an action. Well that being the case, piecing everything together, the reason the Mishnah at the beginning of Masechet Keritot only mentions Yedeoni is because when I'm in the circumstance, when I'm in the context of korban hatat, there needs to be an action. Only the action-based situation and sin of Ov is going to be mentioned, not Yideoni. That was the answer of Resh Lakish in a nutshell. The Gemara now turns to the Yohanan says, wasn't that a great answer? So I know, again, Jared and several others would yell out and say, uh, it's not such a great answer because both of them are either don't have an action or have an action. The Gemara is happy with that distinction. The Gemara is happy with, uh, whereas an Ov is moving his arms or her arms to bring forth that spirit, the uh, Yedeoni is only placing something in their mouth. There's a distinction between Ma'aseh or not. So we need a different answer. Rabbi Yohanan, how come you didn't suffice with the answer of Resh Lakish, this Ma'aseh? 
uh, distinction. And it says the Gemara over here on the 12th line, Why would, why did Rabbi Yohanan uh, set forth a different answer? Why do you need to explain the reason that the Mishnah at the beginning of Masechet Kiritot leaves out Yidda'oni for his reasoning? Why didn't he just give the reason of Resh Lakish? Amai lecha, Rabbi Yohanan would answer you. Of course, we're dealing after the death of Rabbi Yohanan Resh Lakish as the Gemara is debating this issue. And as a result, it's Amai lecha. He didn't say, he would say to you, Matnitin de Kiritot, the Mishnah, the beginning of Masechet Kiritot, Rabbi Akivahi de Amar, la ba'inan ma'aseh. He says, you can't really suggest that as an answer the way Resh Lakish did, to distinguish and to explain that that Mishnah, the reason it doesn't list Yidu'oni is because there's no ma'aseh, no action, because the whole Mishnah is written according to the opinion of Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva's general opinion, not in the context of getting lashes, what we call lav she'en bo ma'aseh, but in the context of korban hatat, of karet, in that situation, even if it's a lav she'en bo ma'aseh, even if there's no action, according to Rabbi Akiva, you're liable for korban hatat. What's the proof for that? The proof for that is that the Mishnah lists among those many circumstances where you have karet, korban hatat, megadef. Megadef is a circumstance where you're speaking which we are assuming is not action-based. That's the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. In turn, says uh, Rabbi Ohanan defending himself, he says, listen, I'm telling you the reason the Mishnah over there, you, you try to argue that the reason the Mishnah doesn't mention Yidda'oni is because there's no action. That's not a good reason for it not to be listed in the Mishnah. The Mishnah mentions other situations where there's no action. The Megadev. If the Mishnah is already written according to the opinion of Rabbi Akiva, that you don't need action in order to be liable for Korban Hatat, so it mentions Megadev, it should mention Yidda'oni as well. Resh Lakish, your answer isn't sufficient. If the Mishnah was written according to the mainstream opinion called the opinion of Hachamim. All right, then I understand your answer. The reason why it doesn't say Yidda'oni is because you need an action. But you don't need an action. My proof, it mentions Megadef. It mentions Megadef. Clearly, it's going according to the opinion of Bi'akiva. And if it's clearly going according to the opinion of Bi'akiva, it should mention both Ob and Yidda'oni according to your logic, Resh Lakish. Resh Lakish. So we turn to Resh Lakish. Again, I did Resh Lakish. We turn to Resh Lakish and we ask him, in, a th- in theory, uh, how do you defend yourself? After all, that Mishnah does n- mentions even circumstances where there's no ma'aseh. Nihide la ba'er bi'akiva ma'aseh rabba ma'aseh zuta ba'eh. Says Resh Lakish, or would say Resh Lakish in response, says, listen, although the Mishnah is written according to granting you, uh, Rabbi Ohanan, validity over here, is written according to the opinion of Rabbi Akiva, that there doesn't need to be an action in order to be liable for sacrifice of Korban Hatat, nonetheless, even Rabbi Akiva has a line. Even Rabbi Akiva has a line, and that line would be drawn in between Megadef, using your mouth to, uh, to curse God, to blaspheme, and what we call Yide'oni. What's the difference? Well, it goes as follows, he would argue. He'll say, according to Rabbi Akiva, when you use your mouth to curse, your mouth is moving. That's an action. Maybe it's a ma'aseh zuta, but it is an action. When you're moving your arms, in the case of Ov, that's an action. Maybe you're not actually doing the, uh, the, the essence of the, uh, the, the spirit speaking, but you are doing an action. When you're doing a situation of yidda'oni, uh, the uh, sorcerer who places the bone in the mouth, you're doing absolutely nothing. It's the classic distinction between... 
you know, whatever. When you turn to someone, you say, what'd you do today? And they say, I didn't do anything. You really did nothing. You really laid in your bed all day and absolutely nothing the whole day. That's doing nothing. I have this conversation with my wife all the time when she feels bad at the end of a day, of a Sunday or something, she says, I did nothing, I wasted it. I say, you didn't waste the day. You spent time with your children, you took care of household things. I'm doing something. No, but come on, I didn't get outside. All right, so you didn't do ma'aseh rabbah, but you did ma'aseh zutan, of course. You know, it's all subjective in the scheme of things, the scheme of life, probably spending time with the children is the ma'aseh rabbah. But regardless, that's the distinction over here. So in turn, says Resh Lakish, in defending himself, he says, Rabbi Yohanan, that's not knocking me out. You claim that that mishnah is going according to Akiva. You don't need an action. You don't need an action, but you need something. If you have absolutely nothing, if you're fully dormant, if you just have the bone speaking, uh, that, that even Rabbi Akiva would argue that is not considered a ma'aseh. It should be noted, I mentioned it, actually I glossed over it even though I mentioned the source last night in the class, that speech, ironically, although the Gemara over here is going to debate, it's mahlok between Rabbi Akiva and Chachamim, whether it's considered a ma'aseh, of all of our five senses, Speech, or at the very least compared to, to hearing and seeing, speech is the most active. In the eyes of many of the Ba'alim Mahshava, speech is the most, it's a little ironic, because you imagine, speech, the guy's only speaking, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words, what, what's that? Lashon hara, because it, again, so people would say, that, in other words, until, until I had this understanding in life, I said, listen, Lashon hara, because of what it does. The argument of, of Maharal and others is, and he doesn't talk about it to the best of my knowledge in the context of Lashon Hara, but in general, speech is in it of itself an action. Eyes, what are you doing? Your eyes just seeing. Ears, it's just passive as well. Speech, ironically, is when my mouth is moving. That's the Akimat Sifatayim the Gemara really talks about. It's interestingly, again, because we have this tendency, for better or for, well, for worse, to say, well, it's just speech. Says Nathan notes, Lashon Hara, Take it a step further. You lashon hara for a reason is so severe, and there's a reason. It's the most gashmi you can get as a human being. It's the most with regards to using your 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 your, your facial uh, um, uh, emotive uh, uh, expressions, the ability to see, to hear, and to speak and to smell. It's really just speech in which you're actually actively involved. It's for that reason that Maharal and others suggest that Moshe Rabbeinu is born with kevad pen, kevad sefataim, he's arel, he's arel with his mouth, he's lo ish devarim, he can't speak, what a blemish, how terrible, he can't speak? Ya haram, it's Moshe Rabbeinu, the Gemara, the Torah talks how, how great Moshe was physically, not only spiritually, physically he was perfect. The Torah at the end, the very end tells us, uh, his eyes, his moisture of skin. Uh, he was of uh, the highest stature of human beings. Gemara Masechet Shabbat talks about his 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 uh, his his height being almost perfect. The Gemara Masechet Nedarim talks about his strength, and then he can't speak unless the ability to quote have a disability of speech speaks again. Spe- Oh, wrong word, uh, tells us so much about the fine quality of the person. He's removed from physicality. Well, anyway, that all being the case here, the Gemara tells us, again, in Resh Lakish's response, Resh Lakish's response, he says, Although you're arguing the Mishnah goes according to the opinion of Rabbi Akiva, you told me that, Rabbi Ohanan, where you don't need an action, you might not need a great action, quote, unquote, it might not need to be something something beyond speech, 
But if it's a ma'aseh zuta, and I'll give you a different example than the Gemara, if it's just seeing, if it's just hearing, if it's just smelling, that's ma'aseh zuta. That's, excuse me, that's less than a ma'aseh zuta. That's nothing at all. In that circumstance, you're not even moving the mouth. Your body isn't even moving. Migadef my ma'aseh ika. In a circumstance where you're blaspheming, what are you doing effectively? Akimat sefatav. Your mouth is moving. That's as it be akiva. Might be ma'aseh zuta. Might be a small action, but it's an action. Have ma'aseh ba'alov. My ma'aseh ika. In the first of our two sorcery cases, what do you have? Hakashat zerotav, havemaseh. In that circumstance, moving your arms, that's considered an action. Might be a small action, but it's an action nonetheless. It might be that ultimately speaking, as Jared was arguing, you're not doing anything, the spirit is speaking, but you did something as the spirit. Maaseh zuta at the very least. Ultimately speaking, when all the dust settles over here, Resh Lakish has defended himself. Resh Lakish has responded to Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan assaulted him by arguing that that Mishnah, the beginning of Masechet Kiritot, is according to the opinion of Biakiva, you don't need an action anyway. The response of Resh Lakish is, even according to the Akiva, you need some action. Don't say you didn't do anything on Sunday. You did something. It was a ma'aseh suta. But if you did nothing, ya haram. Anyway, that's the suggestion of the Gemara. We really did that at the end of class yesterday. The Gemara now goes forward in challenging Resh Lakish. Says the Gemara to Resh Lakish, but wait a second. This was all in response to Rabbi Yohanan. Rabbi Yohanan said that Mishnah Masechet Kiritot is according to the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. You needed to distinguish, you needed to all that sort of business. You were reading that Mishnah as even following, or the principle as even following the opinion of Hachamim. You were suggesting that the difference between an Ov and a Yid'oni and, uh, and, and, uh, and a Megadef, all that sort of business, you could say in the context of the Hachamim, and you'll have to hold on for a moment to really understand the question, but says the Gemara, Va'afilu lerabbanan, is your argument Resh Lakish, your distinction. You distinguished, you told us there's a difference between an Ov and a Yid'oni. Even according to the Chachamim. Who are the Chachamim? The Chachamim say in order to be Hayav Kovan Hatat, you need an action. You told us, that was your answer, Resh Lakish, initially, that even according to the Chachamim, even according to the mainstream opinion, call it, the halacha is that when it comes to an ov, you'd be hayav korban hatat. When it comes to yidoni, you would not be hayav korban hatat. What's the difference between the two? Ov hakashat zero otav. You're moving your arms. Yidoni, not doing anything, just putting it in your mouth. Is that distinction really clear? Would you really maintain that? Listen to what we have. The Hatanya doesn't the Beraita, which we learned earlier, state, according to the opinion of the Chachamin, where you need an action in order to be liable for a korban. It's only if you have an action. That's the Chachamin's strong opinion. The Pasuk says, needs to be an action in order to be Hayab korban hatat. Kigon. This is in the context of Avodazara, Zibuah, slaughtering, Kitur, smoking, burning, Nisuch. Um, libating, bowing, all those are considered an action. And Resh Lakish, in explaining that beraita, again, the question is a little protracted over here. Mantana Whose opinion would maintain that bowing to the idol is considered an action? Resh Lakish made the claim that only Rabbi Akiva would say that bowing is considered enough to be liable for a korban in Avodah Zarah. Why only Rabbi Akiva isn't bowing in action? 
Bowing is an action, but not an action. What do you mean an action, but not an action? Nothing is taking place externally. Nothing is being t- taking place as a result of your action other than your body being curved a bit and slanted forward. Maybe your whole body, maybe just the upper part of your body, but ultimately speaking, that's all that's taking place. When you slaughter, when you burn, when you smoke, when you sprinkle, when you libate, you're actually doing something externally. Says Resh Lakish, according to Rabbi Akiva, where you don't need an action, oh, so then you're Hayav even for Hishtahava. According to the Hachamim, where you need an action, full force action, Hishtahava, bowing is not considered an action. Now, says the Gemara, Rabbi Yohanan, in commenting on that, told us, Rabbi Yohanan, Amarafilu Tema Rabbanan, Kefifat Komato Lerabbanan, Have Maaseh. Nabi Yohanan, in, in, in disagreeing with Resh Lakish, said, no, even the rabbis, even the hachamim would agree, you don't need an external effect through your action. You've moved your body, you crouch down, that's considered an action. Okay, pause for a second and consider this. It means that Resh Lakish just made clear for us that according to the hachamim, who need an action, bowing down is not considered an action. How is armpit moving considered an action? That's the question of the Gemara. So armpits is not doing anything external. Moving your arms is not doing anything just like bounding. It does bring forth the speaking, but ultimately speaking, the speaking, I'm sorry, I keep doing that, but ultimately the speaking is still not you. So it brought it forth, so it's a gerama, you know, you're not going to be liable for a gerama in that respect. The hayuv is going to be for your action. If it was for the gerama, so then why would we distinguish between ov and yideoni? Yideoni also brings forth a speech from the bone. So the gemara now turns to the eshlakish and says, what's that? So you're saying the same thing as judo, but it's, but, but ultimately... I, I gotcha. They, they don't like they don't like this splitting. According to Resh Lakish, moving your body downward is not considered an action. And you're telling me alternatively, in contrast, that moving your arms is considered an action? So the Gemara has it as a question. Answers the Gemara in two ways. The initial answer of the Gemara is. Listen, Resh Lakish was never, you misunderstood him, he was never talking according to the opinion of Hachamim. He was never arguing. Resh Lakish's opinion, his claim that that Mishnah, beginning of Masechet Keritot, the reason it leaves out Yideoni and places in Ov and Megadef was specifically and only according to the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. He would agree according to the Hachamim. That uh, all should not be in that Mishnah. Why shouldn't it be in that Mishnah? It's not considered an action. Of course it's considered, no, just like bowing is not considered an action. So too, according to the Hachamim, according to the majority opinion, uh, Ov is not considered an action. That's so. So why does the Mishnah, at the beginning of Masechet Kiritot, mention both Ov and Megadev? Why is Ov over there? The answer says the Gemara, that's according to the Akiva. Even Rish Lakish would agree with that. You misunderstood Rish Lakish. was never arguing according to the Hachamim. Rabbi Yohanan responded. He said, no, that Mishnah is only according to Rabbi Akiva. Rish Lakish is smiling. He's smugly accepting that. He said, I never meant anything different. I only meant it according to Rabbi Akiva. Aval Rabbanan, look. 
according to the Chachamim, that was never a claim. I never suggested that you'd be haya for of a korban hatat according to the Chachamim. Questions the Gemara if that's so, and we're concluding the, the strict strict te- technicalities if your head is spinning too much already. Says the Gemara, yes, quote unquote, yasamigadevu ba'al ov, unquote, mi ba'ele. Says the Gemara, if that's so, the end of the, the Mishnah there, Masechet Keritot, when it records the dispute, the mahluk between Bi'akiva and Chachamim, it says the one separating factor is Megadev, is a blasphemer, is a person who curses God. It shouldn't say that. According to what you're telling me right now, Resh Lakish, according to your claim, according to the Gemara's claim for him, there are two cases where the rabbis and Rabbi Akiva would disagree. Case number one, Megadev, you're just moving your mouth. Case number two, moving your arms, that's what you just told me, but the Mishnah doesn't say that. The Mishnah says only one case separates them. It appears to be, as it appears to tell us, that everyone agrees that the Ov, the moving the arms to bring forth the spirit's speech, is considered a ma'aseh ela amar ula. Rather, ula suggests, and if you read this part of the Gemara in a vacuum and forgot everything else, you're still okay. Ela amar ula bemekater lashed. Says ula, the case of ov, where it's, quote, considered an action, moving the arms is not considered an action. That's not going to be considered an action according to the hachamim. Uh, so rather, and why is it mentioned? It's talking about where you brought forth that spirit speech, not in the regular fashion of moving your arms, that's part of it, but you furthermore slaughtered for shed. Shed refers to a spirit, for that same spirit. You slaughtered for it. That was your action. Slaughtering, of course, considered an action. So let's come on one second. Let me get this straight. You're trying to bring forth a spirit, and as you're bringing forth that spirit, you're slaughtering an animal for it. That sounds a lot to me like avodah zarah. That's not just sorcery. That's slaughtering for a spirit. You're not just getting the spirit, quote, to talk. You're slaughtering for it. The Mishnah already mentioned avodah zarah. This is not a case. You wouldn't call this. If I, I, I said, guys, I, I want to tell you about all sorts of terrible things you could do. One thing is you could go to a sorcerer. Another thing, you can be a sorcerer. Another thing, you can slaughter for a spirit. Slaughtering for a spirit is not the same as sorcery. It's, it's avodah zarah. You're slaughtering for another being. Amale Rava says, Rava, you can't argue when the Mishnah mentions that Ba'al Ov is Hayav Karet, has a korban hatat. It's talking about Mekater. I'm wrong, not slaughtering. I'm sorry. Mekater is smoking, it's burning. Sorry, not Mezabeh. Mekater, you're smoking, you're burning flesh for it. Amounts to the same thing, but it's a different word. Amale Rava Mekater Lashed, Oved Avodat Kochavimu. That's not a case which you would refer to as Ov. You would call that Avodat Zara. Elamar Rava rather says Rava, and this brings us into a whole new interesting domain. Bemekater Lehaber. The case must be at the beginning of Masechet Keritot, where it talks about Yide'oni, you were burning, you were smoking lehaber. What's lehaber? Lehaber literally means it's an isur in the Torah. It's mentioned in Sefer Devarim. You're not about allowed to be hover haber, which doesn't mean to make a friend. It means to bring forth forces. You use some sort of sorcery, whispering, uh, chanting, or enchanting of some sort. And in turn, what you do is you bring animals together. The Torah says there's a strict violation if you were to do so. You're not allowed to be mehaber haber. You're not allowed to make friends amongst the animals, not literally, in that sort of fashion. You're not allowed to use your chance, your, your sorcery, to bring them together. It's an Yisur from the Torah. That's what the Mishnah meant. When the Mishnah mentioned Yidda'oni, it's talking about in that context. You did one of these ridiculous uh, bad things. Now, if you did that, it's more action-based. Why is it more action-based? Because, what's that? 
Of, I'm sorry, I said Yidoni. Of, when the Mishnah mentions of, it doesn't mention Yidoni. Yes, says the Gemara, that's the case. That's the situation. Hamale Abaye says Abaye, I can't accept because look in the Torah again in Devarim, I think Perek Yod Chet, when it talks about Haver Haver, it says that you can't do it. It never says you get put to death for it. It never says you get karet for it. Which means to say, of course, there are levels in terms of severity of sorcery. It's a type of sorcery. It's not quote-unquote, as severe. If you're smoking in order to bring forth those animals, bring them together, that's considered which again, as I told you, even though he's not speaking out explicitly in the Gemara, Rashi fills in the gaps for us that's not Hayab Sekila. That you get lashes for. Amale, excuse me, the, the response in turn of Rava is in. Indeed, it's so. However, Vatura Amra, this case, and I'll define that in a second, is Hayab Sekila. Just piecing it all together and first giving you the punchline, it goes like this. Rava explains this. Listen, you're right. If I were to open up the Torah, it says, I'm only liable to lashes if I'm Chover Haver. That means that I'm using some sort of sorcery to bring animals together. Wrong, disgusting, terrible act, but not with the severity of sekila. This case, what do I mean this case? The Mishnah, beginning of Masechet Keritot, one of the last times we're going to mention it, I promise you, at least for now. Um, so that Mishnah, when it talks about Ov, it's not talking about bringing animals together. It means you're using your sorcery language and ways to bring spirits together. Bringing spirits together, says the Torah, in the eyes of Ravah, that's a higher level. In that circumstance, you're Hayav Sekila. In that circumstance, Karet, Korban Hatat, all the severities are in play, which means to say when we're dealing with these uh, sorcerers of sort. Uh, again, we're dealing with different sorts in different ways. This one, says Rava, is the most severe with regards to this Hover Haver business. Now that we're talking about that, now that we put a ribbon and bow and we, 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 we closed up that last discussion with regards, for now, to that Mishnah Masechet Keritot, the Gemara says, let's talk for a moment or two about this Hover Haver. My words to you, we don't know much about this. Can you help me out in understanding this? That's the first time I'm hearing of this. I thought it meant making friends. Torah didn't want me to make friends. No, the Torah tells me I'm not allowed to be Chover Chaver. What is that? Tanura Banan Beraita. Anytime you start a segment with Tanura Banan, you know we're going into something new. It's not Behat Tanya. It's not Tanya Idach. It's Tanura Banan. Tanura Banan, the words Shanu Hakamim. The rabbis opened up the following teaching. It's different than Tanya, as we've discussed in the past. Tanura Banan was, generally speaking, something that they were familiar with and they were dealing with in the Midrash. Tanura Banan, Chover Chaver. Okay, that's the heading of the Mishnah, the Beraita. The Beraita begins with, let's talk about this Isur from the Torah of bringing forth animals, again, through sorcery. Ehad hever gadol, ehad hever katan. It's whether it's, quote, a big friend, or, quote, a small friend. Not really what it means. It's even, it's whether you bring big animals together or small animals together. It's whether you bring lions and tigers and bears together through your sorcery. And it's true as well that it's Asur from the Torah. If you bring, and we'll see in a second or two, insects or rodents together. Either way you slice it, you might say, no, that was nothing. I did sorcery to bring a mosquito and a gnat together. That's nothing. No, that's an Isur as well. Now, again, I will tell you, not again, I will tell you in this context, 
context, there are exceptions, which is strange. There is an exception to the rule. Of course, if it's for pikuach nefesh, that's an interesting thing. It's not considered avodazara, it's considered sorcery. Now, this is what's hard to understand, and I said we will address this at some, some point in time in the near future. Was this, is this actually a viable option? So I mentioned this at the end of, or at some point in the class yesterday. That's, that's an interesting question. We, we will have to deal with that. Says Teddy already, he says, if I'm telling you already that there might be situations where it's permitted, quote unquote, if there is an essence to this, if there is a validity, this is an actual item, which Shaul HaMelech seems to be the story in which Shaul, through some sorcerer, brings forth Shemuel Hanavi. Well, then maybe there was a reason over there, as I'm telling you over here, there's an exception. What's the exception over here? If it's Pikuach if it's to save a life, so then it's permitted. Although you're not allowed to worship Abu Dazara, Dugilu Yarayot, any of those things for saving or even for saving a life over here, there is a permissibility. Maybe that's along the lines of the Shaul HaMelech circumstance. Again, because we're describing and understanding for the moment as there being essence in this. You can actually do this. God says, don't do it. Not because it's a lie, because it's the wrong thing to do. What is it? All right, we'll have to figure that out. But anyway, says the Akrabim, even if it's uh, bringing snakes and, uh, and uh, scorpions together. Again, they're dangerous. If it's dangerous to the extent that it's going to kill you, again, you're allowed. Assuming it's not, you're not allowed to bring them together through your sorcery. Amar Abaye says Abaye Hilkach, if I'm to follow this to its logical conclusion, it means literally anything. If I use my sorcery to be mehabedem, it's wrong and it's forbidden. Haiman zemi, he who, desamid, who brings together zibura ve'akraba. Zibura is a hornet, if I'm not mistaken. That's what we generally translate it. And Akraba is a uh, scorpion, right? So if you bring forth a hornet and a scorpion of some sort, even though your intention is so that they don't harm, not that they don't kill, it's not to harm, Asur, it's forbidden to do so. Okay, we understand that. Hover, Haver, the Torah says, if using sorcery to bring animals, it means even insects, even rodents, all Asur. Okay, so that's, that ends our uh, a short interlude in the Gemara to talk about Haver Haver. We now turn back to Rabbi Yohanan and try to tease out his opinion a bit more. So as the Gemara, Rabbi Yohanan, I want to just finish understanding you because Rabbi Yohanan, if I recall what you were telling me throughout, Rabbi Yohanan, your claim went as follows. You disagreed with Resh Lakish. Resh Lakish is the rabbi who told us the reason Ov is different than Yidde'oni is because Ov has a ma'aseh and Yidde'oni does not. Remember that claim? Ov has hakashat zero'otav, moving your arms, and Yidde'oni does not, it's just placing. You disagreed with that. Why do you disagree with that? You said only Rabbi Yohanan would consider moving your arms to bring forth the spirit in action. That's what you told us quite clearly. And then you told us, however, and we kind of matter-of-factly brought this in when we were making claims against Resh Lakish, that bowing down, bowing down to an idol, you to be Yohanan, you told us that even according to the Hachamim, that's considered an action. One second, that's inconsistent now in you. We were asking on Resh Lakish earlier, but now I want to turn to you to be Yohanan. You're telling me moving my arms like so to bring forth the spirit that's going to talk is not considered an action, but when I bow to the idol, if you recall, the room then, Judah, Nathan, were claiming the opposite, again, to defend Resh Lakish, but you're telling me bowing 
is considered an action? Moving your arms to bring forth the spirit's speech is not considered an action? How do you make such a claim? Why is it that when I'm in the world of hachamim who need an action for a korban hatat, bowing is considered an action? Even better. Moving your lips, even better. I'm sorry, I should tell you the Gemara talks about megadifs. So don't even talk about moving your arms. Talk about lips, moving your lips. Uh, saying, uh, saying a curse about God. That's, that's not considered an action. I mean, one's bowing and one's actually uttering something. One's actually moving your lips. That you're going to distinguish? How can you distinguish? Says the Gemara Amar Rava. Again, well, just lastly, it's the last conversation we're going to have today. It's that of Rabbi Yohanan. Rabbi Yohanan, you distinguished. You told me, everybody knows it, that according to the Hachamim, Megadef is not Hayav Korban Hatat. Why not? Is the cursor, the, the blasphemer, not Hayav Korban Hatat? All it is is moving his lips. Got it. All right. You, you suggest you need a real action. Bowing? Of course, it isn't going to be. No, it's considered an action. What's the difference? Uh, how do you explain that? We explain that bowing doesn't have an external effect. All right, so then I turn to, to using your lips. Doesn't have an external effect either. But you told me bowing is a ma'aseh, it's considered an action of Yohanan. How do you square those two opinions? Answers the Gemara Amara Va, Shanem Megadef Ho'il Vyeshno Balev. The answer of Rabbi Yohanan, it's an ironic and somewhat difficult one to understand, is as it goes like this The difference between bowing and using your lips to curse God is as follows. Bowing is an action, action-based sin, through and through, Avodah Using your lips, it doesn't really have to do with your lips, it has to do with what your thoughts are. Before I explain it further, I'll just give you a mashal. I talk about this in the context of prayer all the time. Prayer, we sometimes forget, is avodah shibbalev. It has anything and everything to do with our heart, with our intention. If we just use our lips without having any intention, of course it's difficult to have full kavana, but any intention, any appropriate intention, like Harambam says, like the Gemara says, an intention that I'm standing in front of the king of kings, well then I wasn't doing much. Harambam, the Gemara in one place calls it mitasek be'alma. You didn't really do anything. No, no, but I used my lips and I said the words. And lips might even be considered, no, but it's not because it's avodah shibalev. The ikar of tefillah is subjective. It's who you are. It's individual. I know we get lost in the society. It's the claim. Go if you pray without moving your lips, it's an important question. It's dependent upon the mahluk about whether hirhur kiddibur dameh or not. Ironically, Harambam is posek hirhur kaddibur dameh, which means to say, according to Harambam, it's not necessarily the halakha that's accepted. It could be, don't go to the bank on this again, could be better to just have intention and kavana than speech without kavana. Far from being simple, but that is the logical uh, conclusion according to Harambam. Now, I mention this again because I have to mention it all the time because many people make the proper claim. Prayer became so trite and stale to me. I'm just saying the words that are in the book. It's not individual. I say them all the time. That's not the point of prayer. The book is the structure. That's the framework. But now if you don't have the heart, if you don't have the mind and intention, if you don't put yourself into it, you weren't praying. You literally were not praying. It's hard to say, but it's the reality. That lehavdil is what the Gemara is saying about Megadif. So you cursed God. You used his name in a curse. It meant nothing if you didn't mean it. 
the curse is only effective, quote unquote, and severe if you meant it. Well, all that being the case, let's now break this down. When I talk about migadef, so your lips were moving, effectively, what was the sin? The sin was your intention. If the sin was your intention, that's very different than bowing in Avodah Zarah, where the bowing is the sin. The sin is the action. That's how I distinguish. When it comes to bowing, the bowing is the action. That's what you're liable for. That's a ma'aseh. When it comes to migadef, although your lips are moving, that's not the ikar. It's what your heart is saying. That's the ikar. As a result, we call that no ma'aseh, because your heart and your mind is not ma'aseh. You might ask the question, avodah zarah doesn't have to do with intention. What are you talking about? We spent a full sugya talking about ha'oved me'ahava v'yirah. You might recall, we spent a long time, rava and abaye, ha'oved me'ahava v'yirah. If you worship the idol, remember you saw the idol and you thought it was just the king that you're giving respect to and you bow to it just for the respect, then that's okay, that's not avodah. But you bow to it. But there was no intention. How could the Gemara tell me that Avodah Zarah, that Ishta Hava'ah, is not Talui Balev? This is Tosafot's question. Tosafot struggles with this. Uh, okay. You don't say anything, that's for a different reason. That's for a different, that's for a different reason. The reason over there is because there's nothing empirical for which we can impeach you. I can't bring you into court and say, I know what your intention was. So I need something. That's a technical aspect. That's a technical aspect. That's right. For Bidesh HaMayim, you would be fully liable is the argument. But just concluding this thought, so Tosafot asks this question. Tosafot says, Avodah Zarah is all about intentionality. What are you telling me? Only Megadef is Balev. And Tosafot gives two answers. One is an amazing answer, in my opinion, from a Tosafot standpoint. That's from, they quote, they make a derash. The Pasuk in Sefer Nahum describes how uh, Rav Shakeh was a blasphemer. This individual who was the emissary of the king, he blasphemed. And when the Pasuk describes his wrongdoing, the Pasuk says he was Hoshev al-Adonai ra'ah. It says he thought bad about God. They make a derasha from Pasuk. It's Tosafot's own derasha. He blasphemed. It was his speech. No, it was his thoughts. And it says when the Torah, when the Nivim, the Kitubim are describing the wrongdoing of a blasphemer, they have it as Hoshev. Alternatively, says Tosafot, depending mm. upon their opinion earlier, that their opinion with regards to technicalities of Ha'odved me'ahavavira is that in a Stam Avodazara, regular circumstance where you worship the Avodazara, it isn't actually dependent upon your inner heart workings. That's only only in the uh, peculiar and specific cases of the Andarta, where you saw the idol of that sort. Amen. Uh,